Welcome to Employee to Lawyer, the employment law podcast presented by NILA Illinois, the podcast that discusses the policies, regulations, and laws that affect our workplaces, presented primarily from the perspective of employee or plaintiff side lawyers. We are your hosts, Ahmed Bindra and Max Barrett. We are members of the Board of Directors of NILA Illinois, the Illinois chapter of the National Employment Lawyers Association, a nonprofit collection of attorneys who empower workplace rights. And welcome back to Employee to Lawyer, the Employment Law Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Max Barrick. And I'm Amit Bindra. And we are welcoming back Michelle Katz, the founding partner of Advitam IP LLC. Amit forgot to include the LLC in my outline. I knew I was missing something, guys. His <laughs> fault. Uh, it is Amit's I'll, fault. I'll, I'll I blame Amit. Amit, Amit, shame on you. You will have to do penance later. Um, in addition to creating her own firm, Michelle, uh, in 2012 with her partner, Michelle was selected in 2019 as the only U.S. attorney to be featured in the inaugural issue of Women's Intellectual Property World Annual Magazine. Michelle also created an online program to mentor law students and new lawyers all over the world. And Michelle spends a week every summer volunteering at La Semana, a week-long culture day camp for children in elementary school through high school. The kids at camp were adopted from Latin America. Michelle, welcome back. Thanks. It's great to be back. Sure. Also, sorry for throwing up all sorry for throwing up all over the name of your law firm. <laughs> no problem. This just helps us with name recognition where we keep repeating it, name recognition. Since we're talking about a little bit about intellectual property today, too. It's quite relevant. When I was going to say congrats on making it to 10 years for your firm, that's super awesome. We're pretty Thank close. you. Thank you. We're very excited and we are hopeful because there is a, a conference that we attend annually, INTA, International Trademark Association Conference, and it's been virtual for a while now, and they're expecting to do an in-person one, which will be around the time of our anniversary in 2022. So we're very excited and hopeful that we'll be able to celebrate there with our international friends. That's super cool. When is your anniversary in 22? It's, it's March 27th. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So last time when you came on, we had kind of a broader conversation about intellectual property or IP law, but we wanted to kind of talk about just your successful career. And I think you, I have a sense you probably have a cool backstory here. So how did you end up deciding you wanted to go to law school and become an attorney? <laughs> Okay, so going back to college, I was perplexed. I was a psych major. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I loved travel. I always loved travel. And I was spending most of my summers somewhere abroad studying. Like, so I could still add it to my resume. Okay. But I didn't actually know what I wanted to do. I grew up with a father who had founded an intellectual property law firm. That firm was called Welsh and Katz, and it was established in the early 80s. So I thought I could do that. He traveled a lot and I really always had enjoyed travel, but it wasn't until I had this conversation with my mom. One day I was home for some break and I said, you know, I'm not sure what I should do. Should I be applying? Maybe I should get my PhD in psychology. Should I go to law school? And she looks at me and she goes, whatever you decide, make sure you don't have to rely on a man. I swear to God, she said that. that. Many, many, many years later, many years later, I brought it up with her and she got, she had no recollection. It was just some kind of <laughs> flippant thing that she said to me that I really took to heart and I knew what she meant, like that I could support myself and that, that sort of thing. You know, she grew up in kind of like a 1950s, you know, like a, that generation. 
And so I went to law school because I figured, I think if I go to law school, then I can support myself. <laughs> so that's what I did. That's, that's super cool. Did. did you know when you went to law school, you wanted to do IP law? I knew I wanted to do something international. And I was still trapped, even, even in the summers of between my years in law school, I was still traveling abroad. That was still something that I really enjoyed doing. And I took law classes in, in Paris and I took some immersion classes in the South of France. And I, I was, I was minoring, I, I had minored in, in French in college. So I, I had a work, a working knowledge of the subject. So of the language. So I, I wasn't positive. I really, I wasn't sure. I got a job as a, what's called a corporation counsel, which means that you are a prosecutor for the city for city ordinance violations. So uh, for example, speeding tickets, red lights, open, open liquor, that those kind of cases. And I was doing trials. I mean, the discovery of that for those, for those trials were, was literally looking at the ticket handing it back to the judge and starting my, you know, examination, okay, wow. of, of the police officer and then crossing the, the, the violator, right? So I wanted to figure out, like, what do I want to do? And that was a good backbone, right, to foundation to do litigation and see, do I like this? And I, I did like it. And then I had to attach it to what subject matter, right? And I still like to travel. So, you know, I'm having talks with my dad who, who had, you know, was an icon in the intellectual property field. And, you know, I said, yeah, I think this makes a lot of sense. I got a, an internship at, at the law firm. I was even in college, I had worked there for a summer proofreading patents, which to some people would be like, you know, that's like grinding sandpaper together. But for me, I found it interesting because I was learning about when you go through and you're proofing the patent, you're going from the very filing, the initial filing, and you're following the whole, the whole process with amendments and everything. And then you see how that leads to the very final product. And if there were errors, I had to write down the errors and then they'd submit the errors and try to get corrections. So I was getting more and more involved in higher level things. That's when we represented Beanie Babies. So I was I was in charge of, you know, actually, you know, the copyrights set, you know, setting up the little animals, taking pictures of them and, and formulating the searches and um, compiling the documents and submitting them to the various offices where they needed to go and stuff. So I was really kind of getting my feet wet in a lot of different areas and I liked it and I liked it a lot. I worked a lot. I did. I, I worked, I worked, I worked a ton, but I did go to conferences and try that out from early on. And I really liked, I really, it, it, so it kind of was my, my two loves, right? I mean, I, I became very passionate about the intellectual property area and connected that with my love of travel. We're going to have to stop this guys and resume the Max Ahmet uh, 1990s nostalgia podcast, because we've now brought <laughs> Beanie Babies into this. And this is bringing up way too much from my childhood of like... <laughs> instances of people like rushing to the store because you'd hear around town because kids for if there were any children listening the internet was not really a thing at the time in the late 90s quite like it is today and you didn't know which right. stores had them and e-commerce wasn't a thing and it's like oh i heard this store down the street's got some beanie babies let's all run there and we had a hotline okay that we oh ran God. through the firm wow. for people who got caught at customs accused of bringing in either gray market goods or counterfeit Beanie Babies, okay? Because oh we God, that's talked to like all the ports, 
okay, when this stuff was coming in and there was a restriction, you could only bring in a certain number. Um, that number varied, right? We made we made those decisions with you know, and, you know, with the client of what the appropriate number would be. And you know, you'd have like moms calling, right? I'm I'm stuck at customs and I need my beanie babies. And I mean, and then in other news, there were people who were hijacking beanie baby trucks. I mean, does. it was insanity. As one does. <laughs> as, one, as one does in the 90s, before yeah. Christmas. <laughs> and, and any chance you also got to work on Pogs or uh, Power Ranger toys? Because then I'm really, <laughs> then we're really going to have my whole Oh, yeah, then we're hurting all the buckets. That, no, I can't say. Related and we're good. I can't, I can't say for those. But then I did work on some other, other, other toys. And, you know, there we had, we, we were like masters of the universe. Do you remember those? We, 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 re- master, you know, He-Man and She-Ra. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, we, I have we did the have power. some. Yes, yeah. She-Ra, right? I mean, it was like fantastic. I mean, just, it was, yeah, those were good times. Or maybe those were good by the times. power of Grayskull. All right, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> I also love the juxtaposition of an attorney reviewing like patent applications, but then also having a hotline for Beanie Babies simultaneously. That's right. Yeah, it's pretty insane, right? That's super I mean, cool. It's, it just shows the, the, it, it's so diverse, you know, IP touches like every, you know, I, 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 I teach IP to certain, certain groups, high, high school groups actually. And I, I have to, I use the matrix. Like I see the world, right? Like Neo, you know, do they have the proper copyright <laughs> notice or, or trademark notices and that sort of thing? You know, like I kind of, I see I see that. And of course the kids are like, what's the matrix? No, they actually do. Thank goodness the new matrix is coming out so I can keep using that analogy. <laughs> I, do you think we could just code the rest of this podcast in pop culture references and only talk as if we are 90s movie characters or toys? Because I think then we're really going to hit a home run, you guys. I'm in. I'm in, yeah. No, I, do, I have a rule. <laughs> I try not to watch movies made before 1995, but TV what's shows are definitely- Yeah. The video like the matrix of video quality is not that good anymore all right man well it's you know special effects were different like would you not watch <laughs> star wars no i'm not a big star i'm more of a marvel guy so am i uh, mm. i have to stop right i'm gonna rage quit the podcast let's listen before i pop a blood vessel i've got <laughs> what are you gonna say Go ahead. i got i got four kids so we watch all of that stuff and we have a tradition in our family that dates back since my eldest was small very small we call it monday night movie night and i get to pick the movies and i of course you know the memory's going i actually keep a, a memo on my phone of all the movies we've seen and we've done the whole series because i like to do the series right yeah. when you see them in timeline order so we've done we've done the star wars We've done the Matrix recently, actually, because I wanted the kids to be ready for the for the new one because it's definitely going to haul them into the theater for that one, and all, all, like all of those, even like the Harry Potters, but those '80s movies, right? Uh, there's a lot of great '80s movies out there, and my kids know pop culture. They have been they've seen, you know, I was I can't remember Adventures in Babysitting was that '80s or '90s, but I'm just saying '80s and '90s. We cover those two decades a lot. Last last pop culture nostalgic question. Have you shown them the Highlander movies? Because I'm a huge fan of mediocre to bad 80s movies or early 90s movies, because I think that in and of itself has the value. Okay, so I grew up loving those movies. There can be only one. Right, exactly. But with the whole like beheading thing. Oh, that's fair. I kind of forgot about that. 
<laughs> we're not quite there yet. And I know some of these other movies are, there's, there's violence, but there's something about the Highlander movies that's like pretty brutal. You do have to kill, cut the head off the others to kill him. So anyway, all right, well, hopefully we don't we don't uh, get ourselves into too much trouble. Michelle, returning to your career ever so slightly after I've derailed it entirely, um, I think we talked on the first podcast, just in brief mention, that you created a scholarship or helped create a scholarship at Hebrew University. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I spent my junior year abroad at the Hebrew University. It's often termed, if you're not familiar with it, it's in Jerusalem, but there's other campuses around Israel. But it's considered like the, the Harvard of Israel. It's a very um, well-established institution. A lot of great things are coming out of um, R&D, come out of the university. And my my father, who was very active in the intellectual property community and a patent attorney, worked for the patent office while he was in school. And after he passed away in 2012, we decided, my family and my, and my law firm, my, my partner and myself, decided we wanted to create a scholarship fund in his name for the innovative sciences specifically. Uh, my father was super into technology, new pharma, all, all the, all in, basically all that kind of innovation that really advanced the world. That's a really wonderful initiative. And it sounds like now haven't heard from both your folks, right? Like they've both had really wonderful impacts on, on others and yourself, even if your mom can't remember her really powerful <laughs> statement. Yeah, she said to you. Right. Yes. Yes. They, they both had very positive influence on me. So uh, you, we've touched on the name of your firm in our last show, but can you tell us a little bit about why you started your own firm? You know, what got you there? I think I had the same entrepreneurial spirit as my father. Also, I, I, at the, when I, the time I made the decision, I, I was pregnant and it was going to be my third child. And I was trying to figure out what that would be like at kind of like the, the typical firm where you're have mandatory billing requirements, which, which is typical minimum hours, what that, like, what would that look like for me and my family? And I, I actually, I had been charging clients on a flat rate basis because I did so much work already for non-US clients and they didn't accept hourly rates. That's not part of the culture. So I had already adapted my billing style in large part for those clients. And I thought, you know, I think I'm ready to be my own boss because I was already basically running things for my partners uh, my colleagues, my partners, you know, day-to-day -day operations on cases, you know, doing the law, you know, doing the law thing. And I had been practicing for about 12 years. I was a partner under my, you know, under, under the firm. And so I felt, I felt ready. And I also wanted to implement a different type of style to the firm, to my firm, which would be flat rate billing. So we do very little hourly billing actually at my firm. And that works, that work, that just seems to work better for my lifestyle and, and our, and our people at Advino MIP. Hey, this is Ahmed and Max. Thanks for listening to Employee to Lawyer. I hope you're all enjoying the show and the content and all of our guest stories. And we'd love your help in spreading news about Neil Illinois and the show. Please encourage your friends and family to subscribe and share. And if you happen to listen to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a nice review. But only if it's going to be a five-star rating. Yeah, otherwise we're all set. That's super cool. So now that you're about to hit the decade mark of having your own firm, what, what do you find most rewarding? I take great pride that 
I am responsible for the livelihood of other people. I think it's a pretty huge thing to take on. And I, when we were going into the pandemic, my partner and I <laughs> were like, so what's this going to be like? And we just agreed that we would do whatever, like nobody was going to be let go. We just made that decision, like no matter what. And it turns out we didn't need to because we became incre- like in- increasingly busy during that time. Yeah, a lot of good problems. Right, 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 right. What do you find most challenging? There's just not enough hours in the day. I, I just find <laughs> yeah. I have wasted so many birthday wishes oh. on more than 24 hour days. That that to me is is probably the biggest issue. I just I'm constantly I'm constantly wanting to do to, to do more. Like I want I want to do more, not just work wise, but also you know with the family. My I have I have my own hobbies actually outside of those two big categories. You know, spend some time doing that. So yeah, so hours, tough, tough. So switching gears a little bit once again, last time we talked about your role as an advocate, we've talked about you owning your own firm and starting it and your business practices, but you're also a mediator. Yeah, I'm a certified mediator through the Center for Conflict Resolution in Chicago. I started mediation in law school and then became the TA for a couple semesters. And I really enjoyed it. I have mediated some cases along the way. Sometimes mediation is more effect more effective than than court cases. It, it just depends. It's not always the case, but it's non-binding. And being able to talk with each side privately, that that caucus, it's called the caucus, and understand and you know, moving people from their, you know, their principles, right, where they stand to really what is their like what's their interest really? And seeing that shift throughout the day, it's pretty, it's pretty cool, I think, to, to see how that can shift just in a matter of hours to avoid months to a year of litigation and the costs associated with that. And you mentioned a moment ago, you, you wear like 30 different hats. So how does the mediator <laughs> hat help you with your attorney hat? I think they're all interwoven. Maybe it even goes back to my psych degree you know, I just, I like, I like talking to people and understanding where they're coming from. And I think that if you can be a good listener, I know as lawyers, we're taught to be advocates to talk, but listening is just as valuable, if not more. And I feel like in the mediation sense, and when you're, when I'm talking with my partner and, and, you know, employees or independent contractors, that's, I, I want to know, like, what are you like, tell me what you're thinking, what's on your mind, how can we make this work? Right. And it's not that different. And it kind of, it's just, it's kind of um, the center that relates to all these various different, even with, with kids, like, what was the thought process behind that? <laughs> just that decision, right? I was like, let's talk about that. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I shift my personality from category to category. I just, you know, there's the subject matter shifts. I stay pretty much the same. <laughs> it just furthers Ahmed's theory that we all double as therapists, unlicensed therapists who are counseling our clients legally, but also managing personalities, egos, emotional issues, you know, stress, anxiety, what have you on a day-to-day basis, perhaps even more than the law. Well, and when we came up with the name of our firm, we debated, do we go with surnames or do we go with a coin term? And in the end, we went with a coin term because we were trying to take ego out of the law firm. I love that. That's great. 
And it goes with your billing practices too. Right. Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about your work with the Young Entrepreneurs Academy and what that is? Yes, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So I was president of an organization called the National Association of Women Business Owners, the Chicago chapter. It's one of the largest chapters nationally. Uh, That was back in, I want to say 2015, 2016. And my predecessors had just brought in this program. It was a turnkey, basically it was a turnkey operation where you take 12 to 18 year olds. So basically junior high age through high school, they have to apply and they start with a business idea and they turn through the program, they turn it into an actual business. I mean, even filing for trademarks, forming, forming the entities, working on a business plan with mentors, even there is an investment panel like Shark Tank type of thing where they would get actual money to start their business. Very, very cool program. And that initiative spun off to another or to another organization that's now that's now handling it called Female Strong. And the the Yay program, that young entrepreneur program, is run through them now. And every year since it's since the beginning, I think it's been seven, I want to say seven or eight years now, I teach the class on entity formation and intellectual property. Oh, that's super cool. And we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you also do volunteer work with, with I'm going to maybe get the name wrong, La Semana. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about what you do? Yeah. There? So Las, it's La Semana. It's a That's Spanish nice. word that means the week because it's a week long camp. It's a day camp actually, but it takes place in Minnesota. That's why you do it in the summer. Right, exactly. And so we just, you know, we move into a nearby hotel, um, me and the kids, and I volunteer I've volunteered in various areas in the the Spanish classroom because Spanish language is a part of it, but I've also, dance is a big part of it. So I've helped out there. I've, you know, just over the years, I've, I've helped out in many different areas and it's not, you know, it's just volunteer work. And then I'm kind of working in, you know, in between in a, in a quiet corridor, any place I can find. And it, and it works out great. The kids love it and it is geared towards adopted children from Latin America and their siblings, because I have both bio and adopted children. So everybody goes and it's just, it's just a very cool, very cool experience. They even have a class called life that's age appropriate talking about adoption and they can share their, their thoughts on that. And it's just very, it's, it's really unique. I've never, I don't know another program that's quite, quite like it. That's so cool. Good for you. Uh, How many languages do you speak? So I, I, so I speak, so we have a bilingual home because my, my two girls, they're adopted from Colombia. So we wanted them to be fluent in, in that, you know, obviously in in their native tongue and English, obviously. And then in, in college, I did minor in Hebrew and French. Those are rustier now, but I hope to have the opportunity (laughs) at some point to, to work on getting those improved. So you, you run your firm, you have, you do a lot of volunteer nonprofit work sounds like you speak four to six different languages. And then you also, you have a food blog. Oh my gosh. I love, I love elegant food. I don't, it doesn't have to, I, I even like food truck food. It's fine. It just has to be really good. Just really good food. What about Taco Bell? Where does that fall on the spectrum? Um, you know what? After a late night, <laughs> don't, I might, I'm not going to blow past that Taco Bell. I'm in, but 
No, but seriously, you during the pandemic, <laughs> during the pandemic, I became a level two sommelier. So I actually, I took, I took a class. I love food and wine. I started, you know, I initially got onto Instagram because, because we allowed our eldest to have Instagram. And so like, if your child on Instagram, you kind of got to be on Instagram or whatever social media, you know, social media platform to kind of make sure they're navigating in a safe way, you know, the state, this, the space. And I thought, you know, people I, I'd been face, face, you know, big on the Facebook. No, I'm just kidding on Facebook. <laughs> and I, I would typically like my husband and I, it's, it's like religious for us. Every Saturday night, we try a new restaurant. That's like, that's like done. Okay. Sometimes with friends, sometimes just the two of us, that's like our thing. We love it. And I would post, you know, here's a picture of the group, the, the food, blah, blah, blah. And people were like, you should do something with this. You should do something with this. So finally, Instagram my, and my daughter were the catalyst to actually like put this into something that people can follow. And I mean, it's not a huge fun. I got a, you know, a couple thousand people following. Oh. Super fun. I, you know, then, you know, paired that with the wine knowledge I gained from becoming a sommelier, you know, I had a little credibility and that kind of thing. And it's just, it's fun. That for me, that's a creative diversion. That's my, my ordained foodie I'm an ordained foodie that's account. the handle right ordained that's the handle yeah. yeah I get now why you were asking for more time in the day yeah thanks yes you get say, me how do you you have four children you have multiple uh, non-profit or pro bono or uh, philanthropic pursuits you're running a, a podcast you have a podcast and you have Monday movie nights do you sleep <laughs> I do. I really, I really try for about six and a half to seven hours of sleep a night. I'm, I'm, I, I do my best. I do my best. And I'm not a coffee drinker. I, this is like, this is me without caffeine. Yeah. I drink a lot of water. I do drink a lot of water though. And I just, yeah, I just, there's, as far as we know, for sure, we only have one life. So I'm just trying to do as much as I can within it. So yep, it I sounds that. like you are, it sounds like you're meeting that with flying colors. Thanks, Max. All right, Michelle, you've been with us once before, so we know you at least know now what's coming next. Do you have any shout outs, anything positive you'd like to, to mention this week? Well, I'm super thrilled about our 10 year anniversary. We've really done it. Richard Gurek and myself, we really built what I think is a fine practice and we, we just love what we do and we love the people who work with us and our clients too. It's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, That's congratulations. Really awesome. That's really great. Thank uh, you. And and as an employment lawyer, for you to have uh, found a way to not lay anybody off during the pandemic and keep everybody working with you, that uh, many Super kudos cool. from the plaintiffs' lawyers here. Thanks. That for us, that was that was like a priority. Well, good for, for you for doing that. Not everybody did that. Michelle, last question before we let you go. You have anything you'd like to plug? Knowing that this is coming out uh, early next year, probably. Uh sure. Yeah, I would love to. During the pandemic. I actually started a foundation. It's an awareness foundation about adoption. As I mentioned, two of my four kids are adopted and it's called Plus One Adoption. So if anyone is interested in checking that out, our mission is to increase awareness. It is our belief that there are definitely parents who would love to adopt children. And there's certainly a lot of children that uh, need a safe and secure permanent home. And then we also uh, raise um, not just awareness, but also funding to help those families with the adoption process and post-placement. That's really admirable. Well, that's a wonderful cause. Uh, yet another wonderful cause you are part of one of the 87,000 hats you apparently wear. Yeah, so. <laughs> 
Michelle, thank you so much for all your good work and all the, all the good work you're doing for everybody else. Thank you. Appreciate that. But on, on the legal side, feel free to contact me by email. It's mcats at advitumip.com. That's awesome. Well, please reach out to Michelle. She, we encourage you to go back and listen to her last episode where she gave us some really wonderful knowledge on intellectual property and its overlap with employment law and, and just sort of helped, helped explain that process to us. We encourage you to check that out. We encourage you to check out Michelle's firm and to reach out to her with any questions. Michelle, thank you so much for making time with us and, and telling us your story. Thanks so much again for having me. It was a lot of fun. Our podcast is intended to provide general overviews of employment law. The statements and opinions provided in this podcast are just that, the host opinions. We are not your attorney. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship, and it's not intended to provide specific legal advice. For legal questions, please consult with an attorney.